Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. And um, we are broadcasting down here in Southern California in San Diego, in uh, California. We're on FM 106.1 in North County on the radio down here and also on KPraise 1210 AM, uh, largest Christian station down here in Southern California. And uh, my website is educateforlife.org. You can find all kinds of resources on my website. We have a full curriculum if you're a homeschool family. Uh, it's an apologetics curriculum that helps you build a solid foundation for your faith, for you and your kids, and uh, all kinds of uh, fantastic classes you can take. And then, of course, we have tons of radio programs, radio shows up there with guests from all over the world that are uh, talking about how God has moved in their life and then how he uh, continues to use them to influence others and um, be the love of Christ to those around them. My guest today, you may be familiar with, her name is Sam Sorbo, and she uh, studied, a lot of people probably don't know this, but she was a biomedical uh, engineering major at Duke University before she became a model. And then uh, after that, she ended up moving to Los Angeles for acting, where she's been in quite a few different films. Some of those include Bonfire of the Vanities, 20 Bucks, Chicago Hope uh, on TV. And then she was in Hercules, uh, where she had the opportunity to meet Kevin Sorbo. And uh, they married in 1998. And she's been in all kinds of films since then and uh, had an amazing, uh, exciting uh, life story here. So Sam, thank you so much for being on the program today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you. Absolutely. And I'm super excited about this book you, you wrote. Um, I think it's kind of an unusual book, Words for Warriors, Fight Back Against Crazy Socialists and the Toxic Liberal Left. Uh, that's a pretty bold title there. I don't, I tend not to mince words. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> You're a straight shooter. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Well, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, who is the book written for? And it's unusual because you, you provide this list of words, um, a, a very big list of words that are all words that are being thrown around all over the place in our culture today. Um, who, who was your target audience for this book? You were. I was, uh, okay. So, so the book is for the public at large, uh, uh, educated and not educated people. Um, even even young people, and uh, primarily because the left has managed to sort of hijack our language, and I I just I've lost patience with it. I'm I'm so tired of people meaning well but misunderstanding words. For instance, fascism is a word that the leftists have turned into something right wing. There's no such thing as a right-wing fascist. Yeah, it's a, it's a contradiction, yeah. And I, and I stress the moron part of that. It's, uh, it's the, the fascism has everything to do with communism and socialism and Marxism. They have the same artwork. They have the same color scheme, black and red. Uh, they have the same tactics, violence. Um, and so to say anything could be a right-wing fascist or the fascists on the right wing is, is absurd. And it started there, and then, of course, they've they've done it with a number of our words, and then they're just the words that that are misunderstood. And then I started to have too much fun with it, so I put in a bunch of sort of the new words, like feargasm is the word that follows uh, uh, fascism in the book. Uh, that's a word that was coined by rocker Ted Nugent. Um, <laughs> there you go. In there, Chris Plant, NPC. Are you familiar with an NPC? Um, no, I don't think I am. So NPCs are non-player characters. It's a video gaming term. Oh, that's, that's right. I should. It know became that. a my, meme. My son plays video games. The, <laughs> the guys with the with the gray face and the and the nose but no mouth. 
Yeah. And I, I would put to you that today we have a bunch of NPCs running around. There are people who can only say the thing that they've been taught to say. Mm. They can't actually carry on a conversation. Um, the masks is like the full, uh, it's, it's the full expression of NPCs. So they basically, they don't even talk. And that's what we're dealing with today. And I know that, you know, you, you understand my, my whole platform is education. We're only here because of the lack of education. So people say, oh, are you going to educate your children in a government school? No, you will not ever be able to educate your children in a government school. They will be schooled, but not educated. That's great. Yeah. And uh, this is something that I've been talking about forever. And I've had, I'm kind of on an education um, uh, binge here. We, we've had numerous guests that are dealing with education issues. Eric Bure was just on from Gateways to Better Education here in California. He's huge on, on trying to influence the culture. I just had George Roscoe on last week, uh, who is from, he's actually from communist Romania. And he's actually talking about the parallels that he's seeing in our culture today with what his father had to deal with over in Romania when it was under right. communism. And so um, can you help um, uh, for our listeners distinguish between those when you said you're being schooled, but you're not edu being educated? What do you mean by that? Well, we're not, we are taught to sit down and shut up. And if you have a question, you have to do what? Ask permission to ask a question. You yeah. have to ask permission first before you ask a question. And so then when COVID hit and we were told two weeks for uh, flattening the curve, yeah, that's a scientific theory. It makes perfect sense. We were told 2.2 million deaths in the United States alone. Uh, we were scared. We had no information from China about this disease. We didn't know what was going on. That made perfect sense. We'll take two weeks, take a, take a breather, try to figure this out, but then it morphed and it morphed to slow the spread. We don't have to slow the spread. Mm. Why would we slow the spread? Maybe we should be speeding the spread, but nobody asked those questions because you have to ask permission to ask a question and nobody could get permission to ask a question because frankly, the left had it all locked up. The yeah. left is now in charge of question asking and there will be no questions except of people that they don't like. Yeah, even dissenting opinion, any dissenting opinion, and uh, hey, no, uh, you're just silenced. And uh, that, that's something um, I talk to my students a lot about this, that, you know, uh, spiritually, uh, in the spiritual realm, what we're dealing with here, uh, the devil doesn't fight fair. He's not in this to have a, <laughs> to have a fair conversation and, hey, let's all get to the truth. That's not what this is about. Well, let's, um, and, okay, let's let's unpack that for just a minute. Yeah. So the devil doesn't fight fair, does not want the conversation, right? The devil just wants the win. And conversation is not how he's going to get to the win because what? He is the prince of lies, right? Mm -hmm. And so the lies, the, tr the truth won't tolerate a lie. If there's yeah. one thing we know that is intolerant, it is the truth. Because two plus two is only ever four. It will never be five or seven and a half. And so... That's why you hear the left constantly screaming tolerance. You have to tolerate this because they know it's a lie and they know that they have to get you to compromise in order to, uh, to accept their lies. Yeah. And I'm, I'm at the point where I just won't accept the lies anymore because they compromise me. They compromise my integrity. They compromise my values and, and morality. And so, you know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, don't you want to make, uh, make 
make way for someone else for their, why wouldn't you be considerate of their morals and value? Well, because they're not considerate of mine. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I heard a really great statement about this. Um, I was uh, listening to Jordan Peterson and a person asked him very specifically, he said, um, why, why does your right to free speech trump somebody else's right not to be offended? Because that's what we're in, right? It's like, right. tolerate everybody, don't offend everybody. And his answer was stunning. He said, if you don't have the right to free speech over somebody's right to not be offended, you can't get to truth. And um, that's what we're seeing in the country right now is we're seeing this silencing of any dissenting viewpoints, which basically means there's no way to have that iron sharpen irons conversation. Iron sharpens iron. So do you know how wealth is created? I go through this with my students and it's yeah, actually the opening story in my book. Yes, I read that. So wealth is created in the exchange, right? It has to be a free exchange, but it's the exchange of what I have too much of basically. And so I can sell it and what you have too much of, which is money. And so you can buy it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or, or if it's a barter, in any case, the free exchange creates wealth for both parties or we wouldn't engage in it, right? Yeah. That's the beauty of it. So it's the free exchange that's, that creates literally out of nothing wealth. Now, mm -hmm. take that theory and apply it to words. When we exchange our ideas and we freely communicate and, and ideas are flowing, wealth of knowledge is created. Mm. So the left, the left doesn't like wealth. They want to own all the wealth. They see wealth as a zero sum game, which of course it isn't because if it can be created just in an exchange where basically no matter is created, it's just the, the spiritual essence of the wealth that's created. If, if, they, if they believed in that, then they wouldn't have a problem with everybody getting wealthy. But they always preach that everybody's going to get wealthy and yet they make everybody poorer. And they're doing it also with our language. So they're preventing the communication, they're silencing people, there will be no dissent, there will be no discussion, there will be no communication. And that's their way of limiting wealth, again, attacking wealth. Yeah, that is, that is such a, it's such a bizarre phenomenon to me. I, it's, it's a little bit hard to grasp what exactly what's happening, but I think this is all the more reason for your book. If you're just tuning in, my guest today is Sam Sorbo and you can, you can learn more about her, samsorbo.com and what she's doing, but she just recently came out with a book and the book really helps to clarify what is going on in the culture. When you hear all these words that you're not familiar with and you're kind of like, what in the world, what does that mean? What do they mean by that? Words for warriors fight back against crazy socialists and the toxic liberal left. So uh, Sam, uh, what are some of the words in the book that you think are the most important for those conservatives to really understand that that uh, will help drive this, um, you know, will help to stop this leftist movement of just intolerance, really, and just silencing the right? Well, that's a tough question. I mean, I put every word in the book for a specific reason. And there are a number of them that are just in there because it's we need to revisit them uh, so that we are clear on what we mean by them. So like uh, many of the amendments are in there, the first amendment, the second amendment, the third amendment, the fourth amendment, um, the constitution. Uh, what do we mean by that? And why is it that important? 
And then there are other words that are sort of uh, linchpin words like um, gaslighting. We use that term. We don't really understand that. Well, many people don't quite understand that term. And it's important to understand because it is a tactic that the left uses. And so it's important that we understand their their trades and practices. Um, so what is gaslighting? Them. Share, explain that to our listeners. So gaslighting, it's a term that was invented by actually by a play. It was a famous play. And then it became a movie with Ingrid Bergman. And it's the story of a young woman who marries a guy who decides that he doesn't want to have her around anymore. And so he does things to make her think that she's crazy. He has the servants in the house drop a bunch of cutlery and make a big ruckus. And she says, oh my gosh, what was that? And she runs down to talk to the servants and say, what, what was that noise? And he's paid them to clean up the mess and, and say, there was no noise. What noise? You, you must be hearing something. And the term comes from the fact that he very slowly lowered all the gas lights in the house. This was back when they had gas lighting the house yeah. and he lowered them all, but told her that they were the same, that, that they were the same uh, 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 it, it tends, intensity. Yeah. And so she thought that she was going blind. Like she just couldn't understand why. And the, the point was to drive her mad. Gaslighting is happening today. I'm sorry, a man is a woman. Come, oh, come yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're considering uh, the, what is it? The assistant secretary of health and human services or something. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I don't understand how this could be somebody in that position. Um, it's, it's really, it's, it's lunacy. 56 genders. No, let's be scientific. Shall we? Oh no, we're changing the science, the science. We're changing all the, the science to um, to conform to the politics of the day. And that's insanity. And you think you're the one that's going crazy. Welcome yeah. to gaslighting. Yeah, okay, yeah. So uh, these kinds of words, another one that came up that I was really caught off guard originally, and now I'm, I know what's going on, but the word racism, the definition of racism has slowly morphed into something other than what, when I was younger, uh, people looked at racism. Um, you know, it, it used to mean somebody who thought somebody else was genetically inferior because of the color of their skin. Yeah, no, Kevin, uh, stop being so white. Okay? Yeah, exactly. And, right and it, it's just bizarre. And, and with what's going on with Coca-Cola and we've, everybody's heard about that, that's been all over the news. Um, that so let me ask you this, have they yeah. taken polar bears off the endangered list because they're yeah. white? Yeah, exactly. Right. It just, none of it makes sense. Uh, the word <laughs> racism now means if you're in the majority, you can be racist, but if you're in the minority, you can't be racist. Uh, which, which basically means anybody in a lower minority can't be racist. But when we know, obviously, somebody can, but they're changing the, the words, like you're saying. Right. And, and by definition, if you're in the majority, you are racist. It's not yeah. that you can be racist, it's that you are, because you can't escape your racism. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, now um, your husband, Kevin Sorbo, recently, he was basically canceled through uh, Facebook shut him down. Is that correct? Yes, I call it a digital assassination. And then they buried the body. So they took down his Facebook page. He had over 550 million, uh, million 550,000 followers. Yeah. And um, they just took it down. So they disenfranchised all of his followers. Uh, and, and they didn't tell anybody. They just took it down. They didn't tell him. Yeah. And so when no he, reason or explanation. No. And he, he, he went public with it. And they said, well, we gave him two warnings. No, they didn't. 
And the problem is they might be able to come up with some fake warnings that they digitally, you know, create. I don't know. But yeah. every time they had warned him in the past, he took down what they deemed to be offensive because he didn't want to risk them shutting down his page. So he knows full well that they did not warn him this time. Uh, and and frankly, all he all he posts is alternative viewpoints on things. Yeah. But you see, you're not allowed to have an alternative viewpoint. Yeah, even in Canada. Uh, I mean, in Canada, it's it's considered a crime to talk about, for example, the dangers of the homosexual lifestyle. So you, you're not allowed to talk about what's what's going on there. And same thing in California. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Right. In, in California, you're not allowed to get counseling for counselors literally uh, have been gagged. If somebody comes and says, I'd like help with my same sex attractions, you literally can't help them uh, in California. Which is bizarre. Not only because- that, they're trying to push through a, some kind of a bill that allows the teachers to to encourage students to seek hormonal treatments for gender reassignment um, without the parents' consent. So they're doing workarounds around parental consent. I yeah. tell you. If you are a loving parent, you have no business sending your child into our government schools because the government schools do not have your child's best interests at heart. And you ought to take that very seriously. It's like hiring a babysitter you know is a pedophile. Yeah. And you've been very involved in the homeschool movement for a long time. Um, talk to us about that. Uh, you know, how did you, did you always homeschool your children? Did you always know this was coming or uh, how did you get involved in the homeschool movement? So I was one of those people who said, well, that's something that I'll never do. Uh, It's too hard. I have no idea what I'm doing and I can't. And then uh, second grade came for my oldest and the school was not serving him. They simply were not getting the job done. I just didn't like how it was going about or how they were going about it. Um, And there were a couple of instances and I go into that in my book. I wrote a book called They're Your Kids. Um, an inspirational journey from self-doubter, which was me, to homeschool advocate, which is what I became through this whole um, experience. And so I, I decided, I, I talked to my husband and I said, listen, I just want to try it. I think, I don't know, but I think that if I fail, it will still be better for our son. Even if I fail, that's how bad our really, really good schools, mind you, we moved to our community because the schools were so good. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he had five problem children in his second grade. Um, I mean, I remember one day I went to pick him up and the teacher said, oh, your son was great. I put, you know, Matthew next to him. And, you know, Matthew's a problem child just to see if your son would have a good effect on Matthew. And it worked. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, but that's not his job. Yeah. <laughs> He's supposed to be here getting an education. Yeah. And then I realized they weren't actually giving him an education. They were just giving him a bunch of um, spoon-fed blather, pablum. Like, you know, so anyway, I brought him home the next year and I started home educating uh, all three of my kids. Um, and... I would like to say that I never looked back. The rest of the stories in my book, They're Your Kids. Yeah. I did put them back into a small Christian school, but the small Christian school was staffed by former public school teachers. So oh. yes, he was in a more Christian environment, but he was still in a school environment and that still was not serving uh, either of my two boys. And so I took him back out again after six weeks and then I never looked back. 
Hmm. And that's became that's when I became such a staunch advocate for for home education. And so, by the way, if you have any sort of qualms or you, I, I'm sure you know people really struggle with this. And I'll go into that in just a minute. But if you do, if you are struggling with it, but you want to at least look at um, the possibilities, go to my website samsorbo.com or go to my YouTube page, and I have a ton of videos up because I started doing videos almost every day when COVID hit, because I realized that we were a nation of accidental homeschoolers. Yep. And so I just started posting accidental homeschooler videos, uh, giving little tips and tricks and, and just talking about the, the different stages and, and um, opportunities. And I will say this, the reason that we think we can't, or you know, I'll just address your audience. The reason that you think you can't educate your child at home is because you've been taught by the schools that you can't do anything that you haven't been taught to do. Mm. But I will tell you, you already do a ton of things that you were never taught to do. You leased your car. No one ever taught you how to lease a car. You rented your first apartment. You bought your first house. You bought your first car. You balanced your checkbook. You took out a mortgage. You've done you got a job. No one ever taught you how to go and interview for a job. There are so many things that you do every day that no one taught you to do. And yet when it comes to education, we're like, oh, I can't because I never learned how. Yeah. If you, if, you, if you graduated high school and you feel incapable of teaching your child the things that you learned in third or fourth grade, then you were not educated. We're schooled. Yeah. Okay. And so if you now feel like you're incapable of doing that and you're admitting to me that you're not educated, why would you be thinking that putting your child into that same position that you were put in is the right thing to do for your child Hmm. to saddle them with the burden of knowing that they can't rather than offering them the opportunity to know that they can And if you feel incapable and you're like, wow, I'd have to start all over. I don't know where I'd begin. I'd have to go and learn how to do this. You're in the perfect position to educate your child because the one thing that you want to mentor your child or, or model for your child is how to learn. And so you'll say to your child, listen, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing, but we're going to learn this together because I love you that much. That's fantastic. And, um, you know, that whole process is very resilient. It's, it's um, helping a person to, like you said, to learn that they can, they become independent, they become, hey, I can do this. And there's more resources than ever before when it comes to homeschooling. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of resources there are now. Yeah, there's, it's almost too much, right? Yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah. And so yeah. people are like, ah, I don't know what to do. Um, yeah. But there are resources to find out what to do. Yeah. And, I, and I would just say, you know what? Try, try it. If yeah. that doesn't work, try something else. There, the problem is there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer when we're talking about educating children mm-hmm. because everybody learns differently. Yeah. My daughter's just actually writing a speech about this, uh, about the, the, there are eight different learning styles and everybody is sort of uh, an amalgamation of many of them, if not all of them. And so, you know, as the, as the, as the lead learner or the teacher of your child, 
you're going to have to bend a little bit. You're going to have to figure things out for them because they might not be sort of the mainstream. You know, my daughter doesn't learn math the way that I think of math and it's crazy making to me, but (laughs) I just have to, I just had to figure out how she learns. And it's not, I mean, it's not that difficult. Frankly, I'll tell you, I'll give you a little secret. You want to know a secret? Let's hear it. The answers, they're all in the book. (laughs) All you need to do is get the book and don't buy new books because the new books are common core. Go get used books. See, you have a great excuse to not spend top dollar. Okay. Yeah. Go get the used books that have been around for a couple of years, the tried and true, you know, the way we taught math before was never broken. We never needed to redo it with common core. Yep. Yep. It was fully adequate. And we had people out there building bridges and, um, building buildings with the old math. Yep. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I, I'm going to be at the teach them diligently, uh, shout out to, um, teach them diligently, uh, homeschool conventions. Uh, if you're out there and you're listening to Sam and you're like, wow, this sounds like, Hey, I want to give it a shot. You know, now's the time. I mean, in a lot of States, the schools are still closed. So, um, they're learning, kids are learning literally nothing, uh, in a lot of schools. It's, it's mind blowing. It's great but, that they're not in school. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> so it's an I'm opportunity, so sorry, but, but it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for families, um, and parents. And, and here's the other thing I get a lot of, uh, I was getting anyway, I still do get a lot of questions about sort of problems that parents have with, with teaching their children. Oh, the child won't sit still. Uh, you know, I have trouble keeping his attention, Um, stuff like that. Those are typically parenting problems. They're not education problems. Mm. And if your child doesn't learn math in second, third, and fourth grade, he'll learn it in fifth grade. He'll learn it in sixth grade. He'll learn it by the time he gets to go. Like like we put so much pressure on ourselves, but your child might not be Einstein. So maybe just relax a little bit and figure out how best to serve the child for the gifts that he has within him, as opposed to trying to stuff him in this education box, this school box, right? The yeah. institution. No, at, at 10 a.m. you have to do your math. No, maybe he doesn't have a brain for math until 2 p.m. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, and this there's all kinds of talk now about, you know, trades and bringing back trade school and these sorts of things where kids have an opportunity to learn other things that are very useful um, that, that not every kid is needs to be prepped for college. Not every kid needs to go to a, a college preparatory school. So, um, these, oh my these gosh, are- college prep and career readiness is the biggest Ponzi scheme. I, I believe the biggest Ponzi scheme in the history of the world. Mm. We have an entire governmental instituted, governmentally instituted organization bureaucracy that is um, devoted to convincing parents that they have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on college for their child without any consideration for what their child will have, because it's just a, a degree. It's just, yeah. do you know what I mean? It, and if it's a degree in um, archeological studies of the, you know, the, the Mayan period, like where is that going to, <laughs> not that, not that that's never useful. I'm just saying like, it, you're, if you go to college, you better be using the college as a, as a tool to get something that you want. Yeah. And we're not anymore. We just want the degree. I just want the degree. I just have to have the degree. Well, guess what? 
businesses are now looking for, for students who have not been college educated because they've realized that the college educated students are less able to problem solve or adapt. Yeah. Versus a, a kid that's out there, uh, you know, going for it and actually ends up, you know, a, a being, scrapper. Yeah. Being an entrepreneur, doing something. I have a good friend who uh, he has a huge, one of the largest grading businesses in, in San Diego, uh, Luke Gibson. And he, he dropped out of high school his junior year and said, mom, dad, I want to start my own business. He started his own company and now he's incredibly successful. Uh, and he's a fantastic guy who just decided, you know what, I'm, I'm just, I can do this. I don't, I don't need to finish this. I don't need to get the degree. And I'm not, I'm not discouraging anybody from getting their diploma. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that a lot of times people put more emphasis on, you know, a college degree, just like you're saying, than really just, is, is he, called for. I struggle with, there was a young man who was at a town hall with one of the Democrat presidential candidates, Amy Klobuchar, I think. And he said, you know, I just graduated and there's no work opportunities for me or something like that. And she said, you probably have a mountain of debt. And he said, yeah, it's ridiculous. And I, and I can't help but think, no, what's ridiculous is that you took on that debt with no, with no prospects, mm. with no plan. Yeah. And, and we've allowed, we've not allowed, we've encouraged all these young people and their parents to go into huge debt, to funnel all this money to the colleges <laughs> with, no, with no prospects for paying it back. Yeah. And then with indoctrinating kids with essentially very leftist socialist ideas. Well, yeah. I mean, add that into the mix. Yeah. So, so um, you know, back to your book. My guest today, if you're listening, if you're just uh, tuning in, is Sam Sorbo, samsorbo.com. You can uh, learn all about her. She's got a podcast up there. She's got multiple books she's written that are relevant to you as um, if you want to be somebody who can engage the culture and really prepare your family and your kids for the culture and be able to actually have intelligent conversations that uh, just don't fall prey to leftist uh, rhetoric. Uh, essentially, these are great resources and her most recent book, Words for Warriors, is a fantastic book and really just understanding what words are being used and how they're being used. And um, Sam, you know, in your book, you actually have in the back of your book, you, you discuss, you put Saul Alinsky's 12 rules on power tactics. And, you know, uh, we're fresh off the, the election and what's happened over the past, uh, you know, 12 years or so, or maybe even more um, with what we're dealing with. Um, what are you hoping that the readers come away with that they're able to achieve that maybe they wouldn't have achieved if they hadn't read the book? What is it that you're hoping um, they gain after they're done reading this book? Well, I'm really hoping that they're, that they're galvanized. This is, uh, it's, it's not quite the rules for radicals. It's, it's my, my version of rules for radicals is words for warriors. Mm -hmm. It's that um, we need to win in the language battle uh, before we can really hope to win in the overall battle. And the reason I say that is because the left is very busy negating our language and diminishing it and uh, confusing it and making it worthless. What and do you mean by that, making it worthless? How do, you, how do you make language worthless? Well, pretty soon words have no meaning. Man is woman. Up is down. Right is wrong. So then what use are words? They have no meaning. If, if right can be wrong, if, if, uh, if a boy can be a girl, if, um, um, if racist 
is only applied in certain instances, but not in others, it's meaningless. Mm. And the, the, the situation that we have is, okay, so when you have a child who is about to lash out at somebody because he's so frustrated, right? And he, and he raises his arm, he's gonna hit somebody. You say, ah, 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 use your words, honey. Our words are the last thing standing between us and violence, mm. okay? We want to avoid war, what do we do? Diplomacy, diplomacy mm. is words. Let's have a conversation. Let's see if we can't come to some agreement. Oh, that's powerful. With our words. Yeah. If we lose the ability really to converse, to come to agreement, which is what the left seeks, they don't want agreement. They want compliance, it's different. Mm. If we lose that ability, there will be violence. I'm not advocating for it, I'm just predicting it. And I can predict it very uh, assuredly because I know that's what the left wants. They always want violence. Mm. That's, that's their way of communicating. And if you don't believe me, look at the left's reaction, and I'm talking about Democrats on the Hill, as well as po other politicians and, um, uh, and celebrities and uh, you know, leftist uh, agitators. Look at the violence that happened over the summer during COVID, the rioting and the looting and the destruction of minority communities and minority owned businesses and how it was condoned by the leftists and then compare it to their reaction to the, the so-called violence on Capitol Hill, which they which they are they tried to blame on right wing, but it wasn't it wasn't the right wing. It was instigated by leftists. We've got six police officers on the hill that are under investigation now. Uh, at least one of them was seen posing with the BLM agitators. Um, we have BLM that definitely was present and fomenting. Uh, 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 violence. And I'll just say that, you know, the first thing, the, the, the way that, that Hitler got into war with Poland is he dressed up Nazi officers in Polish uniforms and sent them across to fight the Nazis. Mm. And in that way, he could say, hey, the Poles attacked us, but it wasn't the Poles. Yeah. And so, um, we need to wise up and I'm hoping that my book helps people wise up a little bit and take, take notice. And also because of the gaslighting, I know we talked about gaslighting because of all the gaslightings going on. I want people to know, no, you're not the crazy one. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how uh, exactly it's exactly what seems to be happening is people go, wait a second, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm but not if, in the what right. If I'm you're, wrong. Yeah, but exactly. Wrong. Yeah. If somebody is screaming for tolerance, it's very clear that they're the one that's lying. <laughs> yeah. And Christ said it very blatantly uh, clear. You will know them by their fruit. You will know yeah. uh, where their heart is based on their actions. Um, well, guess what? In the beginning was the- The word, word. exactly. The yeah. word was with God and the mm. word was God. God. Yeah. And so we need to be honest with our words. And we have to recognize that the left hates God and so the left will be dishonest with their words because they hate the word. Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh, yeah, I think that is so powerful what you're saying there. Um, so when it comes to, you know, um, words for warriors and what you're talking about there, what does winning that uh, battle look like? 
so let's say I'm, you know, on a, on a real practical level as a, as a person who's living their life, you know, going to work, doing these sorts of things. Um, and I, and I read your book and I'm starting to learn about these, uh, different definitions and what's going on in the background and, and the, the goals that, that, that the left is trying to accomplish here or those who are anti-God in a sense are trying to accomplish. What does it look like to win with words? How, how, how do I know when I'm making progress there? I, I would hope that you would feel more staunchly convicted in what's right and that you would start doing more of what's right and standing up to the bullies. That's mm. really what this is about. Uh, it's about standing up to the bullies. And so, you know, people say, I, I want people to get off the bench. I want people in this to win yeah. it. Yeah. Um, people say to my husband, who's been, you know, terminated, yeah. uh, uh, although he's still alive on Twitter for a little while longer and his tweets are amazing and very funny. So if you're on Twitter, you should follow him. Um, and you should also go, I'll tell people, go to Sorbo Family Film Studios or samsorbo.com and do sign up for our emails so that at least we have one way of staying in touch with people. We don't send a lot of emails, but at least it's one way to, to keep in touch. But, you know, um, so many people say, wow, you know, you guys are so brave and you've sacrificed so much. And I, and I look at them and I go, you've got it wrong. We're not the ones sacrificing. The people who don't stand up for their values and their convictions, they're the ones that are sacrificing because they know how hypocritical it is. And yeah. I, you know, I know that's a harsh pill to swallow, but, you know, people say, um, there, there, actually, there was a very, uh, a, brilliant exchange really between a, an Islamist and Brigitte Gabrielle and the Islamist stood up and said, why aren't you discussing this and that about Islam? And why aren't you discussing the peaceful Islamists? And Brigitte Gabrielle said, well, first of all, we weren't discussing Islam at all. We were discussing terrorism. So you made that connection, not me. Mm. But secondly, the peaceful Islamists are irrelevant. They're irrelevant. And I yeah. would put it even harsher. They're part of the problem. Mm. When we're talking about um, when we're talking about any of this stuff, frankly, if you're not in it on the right side, then you're part of the problem. And yeah. and unfortunately, that's what we have. We have a bunch of NPCs who who are not willing to engage, or or not knowledgeable enough to engage. Mm -hmm. And you know, forgiveness only goes so far when it comes to that, because frankly we need to be engaged or you're next. You're on the list. That's right. Rest exactly. assured you're on the list. Oh, Everybody's yeah. on the list. Yep. Look what they've done to, look what they did to, okay, there's another word in the book called TERF, T-E-R-F. Are you familiar with that? I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. Trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Hmm. So J.K. Rowling used to be a darling of the left. Oh, Martina yeah. Navratilova was a, a big spokesperson for the LGBT community, okay? Yeah. They both came out and said, hey, if all these trans people are coming around and they're going to play in women's sports and they're going to, you know, you've got trans, uh, trans wrestlers who are destroying women in the field of wrestling or yeah. in rugby. I mean, destroying them like their, their hits are so hard. They're breaking bones and destroying female bodies yep. because their bodies are not female when you're allowing that, you're destroying women in general. You're destroying everything that the feminists fought for. 
Yep. <laughs> first, first wave and second wave, right? Yeah. Because third wave, God help you. Uh, I don't. Th- I've got no use for them. But first wave, yeah. I got the. I got the right to vote. Thank you very much. Yep. And now they're going to destroy that. They're going to destroy the very definition of woman. Okay. And so J.K. Rowling came out, and Martina Navratilova also said, and they said th- things that were fairly banal, but sort of like if you don't have a uterus. You, you really shouldn't be calling yourself a woman. Yeah. And obviously, women who have had their uteruses removed is, is, is the exception to the rule. Yeah. But a follow, man a, can't be pregnant. Yeah, follow the science, right? There's the science. So, so, <laughs> and, and, but, but now they're called TERFs. And what I, what I was getting to is that the radical left has eliminated them. Yep. They are now absolutely ostracized. They may no longer exist, basically. Yeah. Because they dared to take on the new darling of the left, which is the trans community. And by the way, the gay community is at, is at risk now because either you toe the line and you believe that a man is a woman or you're no longer considered part of that. You know, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It is it's crazy. It- let's call it crazy, please. And, and, and let's be done with all the craziness. Yeah. And so that's what my book is trying to do. Words for Warriors. I, I'm trying to create warriors out there. Oh, that's a fantastic uh, explanation and goal for the book. Um, if you're listening, my guest today is Sam Sorbo, samsorbo.com. Her book, Words for Warriors, uh, it's extremely timely. Obviously, it's urgent. Um, we're in the uh, really the battle for our lives here as far as our culture is concerned and ultimately our freedom is concerned and the ability to speak truth. Um, you know, a very famous quote by Edmund Burke, all that's necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And um, yeah, he said it, he said it before I did. It's, it's the fence sitters. It's the people who are like, Oh, I don't know. I don't want to get involved. No, you're involved. Yeah. Get involved involved now or, or or before it's too late because uh, yeah, you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. It's one or the other. And so I just want to encourage people to get involved. And by the way, uh, be a happy warrior because the truth will win eventually. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I believe that we're called to be happy warriors. I, I, I never speak hate. I don't hate. Yeah. Um, I, I want people to, to see the light. I want people to know the truth. And if it's my job to educate them as to what is the truth, I'm happy to do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, thank you so much, Sam, for being on the program today. It's a huge blessing. I'm, I'm really grateful for the example that you and your husband have set. And uh, I think a lot of people are getting on board, honestly. I think a lot of people are being moved and they see the urgency. And uh, uh, God willing, you know, this, this uh, movement uh, that we're a part of here is going to uh, gain a lot of ground. So we'll just pray hard and work hard. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sam. I, I hope you have a great evening. Thanks. You too. Okay. Thanks for everybody tuning in. My website's educateforlife.org. You can visit Sam at samsorbo.com. And uh, there's all kinds of resources out there available to you. If you want to homeschool, if you're interested in starting, starting down that road, there's all kinds of people that want to hold your hand and help you uh, do that. So make sure you check it out. Um, Sam's got lots of videos on that. I've got lots of resources on that also. We'll be with you again next week. And we've got lots more uh, great guests coming up that I think you're really going to find engaging and uh, informative and ultimately uh, a huge help and blessing in your life. Uh, Have a great evening and uh, thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.